So welcome back, everyone. Again, we have Dr. Peterson with us to talk about um, social support and stress. Um, we're doing this podcast through Zoom since, you know, social distancing is now a thing. So I guess to get us started off, um, what is social support and how does it impact stress? Does it have to be real to be affected or effective or is it just a perception? Well, that's a good way to start. I mean, it's social support. And, you know, when many people think about it, it's they, you know, they think about people, the people in your lives, the people that are around you. And uh, the one thing about that is that we all need people. We are uh, social by nature. And one of the biggest things is for us to have family and friends that can help us weather the storms, the ebbs and flows in life. And so when we talk about stress and all the different things that occur in life, right, it's a lot, it's easier when you have people to be there for you. Um, when you talk about this, we talk about based on the conservation of resources theory that, you know, people's resources are really important. Well, one of those resources is other things or other people that can provide you the necessary aid when you are in need. And that just makes life a little bit easier. Yeah. Now, the question you asked is, I mean, is, does it need to be real to be effective? Well, yes. <laughs> if it's not real, it's not really effective. Right, right. Uh, but, but in many cases, sometimes people just need to think that they have the social support and that can be sufficient. Right, to just feel like they're not going through it by themselves. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like many times people say, well, oh, I have a lot of friends and those friends will help me if I need it. Well, do you really know that? Have you ever put that to the test? Right. Well, maybe you don't need to because you perceive that they're there. And so you never ask them because you say, well, if I really out on a limb, they'll be out there to help me. But right. most people, um, you know, the, really the rubber hits the road when they all of a sudden ask for help and then the people aren't there. And, mm -hmm. and they realize who they're, we call your summer friends or your fair weather friends yes. around. And they're not really there. But at the flip side, you also learn the people that really are there for you. Uh, and sometimes it can be quite uh, surprising. Those people that aren't that you didn't think would be there mm -hmm. can be, and that can be quite refreshing. Yeah. So regarding social support, it's been called a buffer to stress. So what does that exactly mean? Well, I think a lot of times when people, you know, talk about what is a, a buffer buffer, I, I try to use the analogy, like if you had a big, you were in a rubber suit, you know, and you're bouncing off things, you yeah. know, it's kinda, it kind of absorbs the impact, but you know, when, when you look at um, uh, social support as a stress buffer, it's really the support that between the stressful event and the stress reaction by causing it to be either attenuated or preventing the stress response from occurring, or in some cases, even the appraisal of a stress. Right. Because you just don't even see a particular event or circumstance as stressful because, hey, you've got all this support around you and you can feel like, well, I'm here with my friends. You know, things are good. I'm feeling comfortable. Right. I'm not too worried about that, the, the, whatever that event might be versus a person who doesn't have that, that support, then that same stressor may be actually quite stressful. And that's because they don't perceive the help that they need in those times and situations. Uh, you think of a test that comes up when you're studying with your friends, it makes it a lot easier right. because you can bounce off ideas and that makes the studying and preparation for the test less stressful than say a person all by themselves who has to study, but they're not sure if they're studying the right information or right. they're getting it. And that can be even more exacerbating in terms of the stress, stress response. Right. No, that but, makes sense. 
Yeah, but even you think about uh, you know the different types of buffers. You know how how do people support you? And uh, and one is some people people can actually provide emotional support, right? Mm-hmm. They're there for you in times of need, and they 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 accept you and they value you, and and you so you feel that sense of emotional support. And then you know other people can be what we call an informational support. They they help you to understand something or to see things or define things better, um, better identify what perhaps the causes of the, of the situation are, or help you understand a little bit better what the potential solutions are. And then some people, it's just, you know, I, I, this is a lot of people, they just like to go out with friends, right. Mm -hmm. And they have that we call social companionship. Yeah. When you explain it that way, I can, like look at my friend group and I'm like I know I go to her if I need emotional support I know I go to this person if I need you know like a logic check (laughs) and whoever I just want to go out with like there is that friend in the friend groups you know exactly and and others that you just want to have fun with right right yeah just go out with and now you would never rely on them for information (laughs) right but they at least give you an, a refreshing break, a, what we call a uh, you know an eddy in, a, in the storm, or yes. a, you know, a pause in the storm for things that you go through, and then you know, and those are types of things. And then also, some people can provide you with what we call instrumental support, which is uh, they give you money when you need money, right? So, they give you yeah, a mom and dad. Oh yeah, well yeah, yeah. Parents <laughs> are definitely instrumental, uh, provide instrumental support and give you those needed resources. Yeah. Yeah. So um, with social support, again, it sounds like this can really vary from person to person. So is there a specific amount of support that we should all get? Like, can someone have too much? Is that a thing? Well, I, you know, there is, you know, it kind of varies from person to person because we're all different in terms of how many friends that we need. Right. If I ask you the question, like, how, how many friends do you have to have in order to feel like you have that you feel supported? What would you say? Right. You know, some people would say, well, you know, I need 100, you know, they're <laughs> social butterflies and they right. run away or 10 or 15. Other people would say, well, one's enough. That's all I need. Right. Only one person because one one is sufficient to help me, you know, what I need. That's all I need. And it's a lot depends on your personality. It depends on your sense of, you know, yourself and what you can, you, you, how your acceptance of yourself and what you're able to do and what you're, you know, your confidence in what you're able to do. And, and there's just different personality characteristics that people have that there need some people are more introvertish some people are more extrovertish and some people need people to get through problems other other times people just need to be by themselves and right. um, and you'll see quite a var- variation uh, in terms of how much support but then you ask the question can you have too much support well yes <laughs> i mean I mean, sometimes people smother too much. Um, There is a problem with a lot of parents today because they coddle their children and they're very compassionate. But you can be too compassionate and too social supportive such that your kids don't really learn to uh, be able to stand on their own two feet Mm -hmm. and be able to weather the storms and take on the responsibilities or, or that they need to do in order to make it through life. And a lot of parents don't see it this way. They see, well, you know, I'm just there for them all the time and I'm trying to make their life easy. I hate to see them suffer. Right. But, you know, that suffering or stress is actually helpful for them. And uh, parents need to say at certain times they need to just take a step back, make sure that they're not smothering their children or what we call lawnmower parents. Yes. Right. And, And that can be a problematic. It also could be social support can be stressful if you have too many friends and you have to deal with too many of their problems. Right. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Because you, you, you know, you, you, when you've got all these people on Facebook and or whatever, and they're calling you about all the different problems, calamities there, it can be somewhat overwhelming. You're yeah. only one person. And so, you know, that can be pretty intrusive into your day-to-day flow of, of your own, your own, because you've got your own issues. Yes. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> yeah. So then aside from interpersonal support, um, something I've come across is this term called incitedness. So what is that? And then how does that relate to social support? Well, this is really interesting because a lot of times we think of social support as just people. Right. And um, we think of just people in terms of, you know, we're interacting because it's social. That tends to term social means, you know, social interaction between individuals or interrelations that way. But there's also other types of um, dimensions that can actually be very supportive and to make you feel like a sense of confidence, a sense of that you you have a presence or um, stability in your life. And one is what we call physical insideness. You know, there's an interesting article that was done studying um, social support in rural Appalachia. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's interesting about this particular study is that they looked at older people and how well they felt supported and, uh, and dealing with their you know life events when they're in their 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And one of those is uh, with physical insideness, if you've grown up, in a town, you know all the places, you know uh, the sense of the, the terrain, the topography, you know the hills, the mountains, the trees, the, right. the, the landmarks, and it makes you feel a sense of home. And a lot of times when people move away uh, and they go live someplace from where they grew up, when they do go back home and revisit, they get this good feeling like, oh, mm-hmm. I remember this. Oh, I remember that. In yeah. terms of the, the, the territory, they kind of get this, it's, it becomes familiar. And that familiarness with the physical um, attributes is called physical insideness. It's it's a sense of safety, a sense of this is my home. Mm-hmm. And then another one is uh, we call social insideness. So you're part of the fabric of the community. You know, yeah. you belong to the Kiwanis Club, or you have a little <laughs> church that you go to, or right. you 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 have you, this is where you meet the the grocery um, attendant. You know, the checkout person. And they know you and they know you by mm-hmm. name or they know you by the, you know, by the bank that you're at. Right. And so that's kind of a, you know, they, you, they don't need, you don't need to have an ID with you because everybody knows who you are. Right. Right. And so that's a, that's a sense of being socially inside. And then another type of ins- insideness is autobiographical. In other words, you have a history or a legacy in this area. Mm-hmm. You know, you've lived here and this is, and, and you feel a part of it because your life story is tied to where you grew up or where you live. And that in itself is supportive. And so it's not just, and that's why people, a lot of older people, uh, they say, well, I'm going to go retire to Florida or some warm climate. Well, the vast majority of older people do not move. Yeah. Right. They stay where they're at. Mm -hmm. Even if they have the financial means to pick up and go, they'll still stay. And the reason is, is because there's this autobiographical insideness. That, you know, the sense that I've lived here and this is where I belong and I have a history here. Mm-hmm. Right? This is where I had my first kiss. This is where right. I met my wife. This is where, you know, I had my first child. You see, all these things are part of it. And yeah. it, it makes it makes you feel a sense of belonging. Yeah, at least because um, when I lived in West Virginia for those four years and, you know, going home with my friends who were from there and like meeting their families and their extended families. And then honestly, everyone, because I think this is really true. Everyone 
does know everyone. They all grew up together. They all, you know, have their yeah. own intertwined histories. So yeah, for real out there in West Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. Absolutely. And it's funny because if you move a lot, you don't get that, right? If you right. move a lot in your life, a lot of people have been very transient. Um, I've had a lot of students who've grown up and they're, we'll call them army brats or, or yeah. military brats. And they, they've moved 20 times in their life. And, you know, they, they don't have a sense of, of place. Right. And, and that part of what they, sometimes they long for that. They look for a place that I just want to feel at home. Right. Yeah. So then we've seen um, loneliness become more of a problem in the past decade. So how does social support affect loneliness and does physical closeness affect the perceived social support? Yeah, well, I think one of the things that, um, you know, you talk about loneliness, loneliness is now becoming a major problem. Um, it historically has been among older adults, but it's actually risen quite a bit among young people, especially mm -hmm. people in their 20s. And there's this social disconnectedness that's occurring. Most of it is driven by technology because you don't actually have to be physically present with people. Right. And so you can text people or you can uh, TikTok or Instagram <laughs> or, or Facebook or whatever it is, right? Yeah. And, and you can you can connect that way. But the question is whether that's really connection. Is that really social support? Right. A lot of evidence would suggest that it's not. And it's not because it's not there when you actually need help. Mm -hmm. And there's something about what we call it, the, you know, I call it the space-time continuum. You know, closeness really has to do with um, being in the sp same space and time. I mean, when I'm sitting with someone in a room and we're talking, we're in the same space and we're in the same time. And so we are now connected, mm -hmm. right? And, and we're connected in, in both space and time. You and I right now are what I call the second dimension because you are in your location and I'm right. in my location. Now we're in the same time, but we are not in the same space. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have what I call one dimension removed from each other. Right. So we're it'd be like talking on the telephone. Now, we still can talk and communicate and we can see each other, at least in this case, because of, of the technology. But we're still not physically present. And right. so that sort of has the issue. And then the third one is that you're not in even in the same time nor in the same space. And so that would be things like Facebook or that could be things like email right. or, or uh, other types of communication where I may read your note two days later after mm -hmm. you sent it. Right. And right. so that that sort of that's two dimensions of removal from each other. And so you look at technology and you look at some of these things, we're essentially separating in space and time. And that actually kind of breeds a problem of loneliness and it creates a lot of distress and it in the sense that people need people in order to function. We don't, we actually need, and the biggest thing that underlies this is a sense that one is accepted, that one is loved, and one is appreciated, right? And unconditionally, it's so important that people need that. Yeah. Uh, this feeling that they have. And the question is whether technology can actually deliver that, and the, and the results at this point is not really that well, as right. opposed to someone who can physically give you a hug or put their hand on your shoulder or comfort right. you or, or listen intently to you. And that, you know, that, that moment that you have when you can see them, smell them, you know, and hear them all together and, right. and touch, touch them as well. And all those things, the senses are incredibly important and it helps to sense kind of almost a bonding experience. But the idea here about, you know, loneliness is that, 
you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate it's becoming more of a problem. And some have said it's as bad as smoking, you know, in terms of people. Yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah. And it's, it's really problematic because it doesn't need to be that way. One of the things I find, and this is one of the problems that helps to exacerbate stress and because you have less of a buffer of social support is that when you're not interacting with people on a regular basis, you don't develop the social skills that are necessary in order to both um, create and, and develop relationships and maintain relationships. Right. And that actually becomes problematic. And so what people have found, and I had actually one person told me once is that this is a lot of people in my age, and they're talking about somebody in their 20s, they're saying, we, we always invite each other out to all sorts of things, but we then we get social anxiety and then we don't go. Yeah. Right. It's literally like the day before everybody cancels. And I was talking to someone and they said, yeah, I invite 20 people and only two show up, even though 20, all 20 of them said they were going to come. Yep. Yeah. I can speak to that too. That happens all the time. And I'm like, I said, well, because I, I grew up in a generation where, well, if you said you're going to go, you should go, go to something. Well, you're committed now, right? Yeah. Yeah, we call it. we call people who cancel last minute like that like flakes. Okay, flakes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're like flaky people. So eventually, you just stop inviting them. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's what people do, and it's because of social anxiety. Um, yeah, they they don't want to step out. They don't want. They feel uncomfortable. They're they're afraid that people will judge them. They don't know what to say. When they worry about whether people are going to talk to them, mm-hmm. or, or you know, and and they don't want to be alone, and yet. They clearly end up alone because they cancel. Yeah. And that's, so it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. (laughs) Yes. So then along the lines of your point about how technology has really affected loneliness, more specifically, how does the use of social media affect social support? Well, like a little bit like we were discussing before, it's just that social media is oftentimes not real. Mm -hmm. Um, What you put on the, on social media is not really the real you. Right. So if people are trying to connect, who are they really connecting with? Is it an illusion of who you are? Or Definitely. is it the real you? <laughs> and and when you when and relationships are problematic and you have to be vulnerable and mm-hmm. you have to be willing to risk and you have to be willing to get re, you know deal with things that are not necessarily uh, pleasant cuz it goes together. You have the good part times with people, you also have to deal with Yours and their foibles and, and, yeah. and idiosyncrasies and silliness, right? And you have to, and that it can be problematic. And social media, you don't really have to, mm-hmm. right? You, if you don't like someone, you can defriend them and they never know, right? right? Yeah. You can ghost them, right? You can yes. ghost them. <laughs> literally, you, they don't even know they've been defriended, but you have defriended them, yeah. right? And so they're not there anymore. And so a lot of things are happening that way. We're, and, and that's problematic because you go down the road, you're going to not have the ability and some people won't have the ability to develop those relationships. And then you sort of end up, as I say, all alone with your 12 cats. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, people like along, also, I guess this could be along the lines of this social anxiety and why people kind of end up flaking. Um, yeah. I think it might be because people often fear rejection and that can obviously be a stressor. So is social rejection a good or bad thing? Well, it, it's, a, it's a great question because that's one of the things that people worry about the most is being rejected, yeah. right? Because being rejected means that someone, they're basically saying to you, you're not worthy, right? Right. right? You're not loved. You're not, you're not part of the end group. And that's painful, right? And that's stressful. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, one of the things about this is that when, um, you know, you know, there's this wonderful article called how, you know, coping re- rejection is der- derogating those who choose us last. You know, right. you ever been in those situations where you're choosing teams, right? Yes. Like and, gym and class. You're the, last person, <laughs> yeah, you're the last person that gets chosen, which sort of shows where you stand. Right. <laughs> Right. Um, and so what do people do? Well, they tend to derogate those. They put them down. They say, oh, they're just stupid or mm-hmm. they didn't know any better or I didn't need those people anyways. And, and we do that all the time. It's a sort of an ego protective type thing. I want to protect my pride myself and not, you know, not necessarily admit that I have a problem or I may not be good at something. Right. right? And, and that's where you can actually learn about uh, grow through being rejected. Um, and rejection can be seen as a challenge and, and something to perhaps identify, not always, but in certain circumstances, it can highlight areas for improvement. For example, if you're not good at basketball and you think you are and they choose you last, it's probably a good indication you're probably not. <laughs> I'd say so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, you know, you, you look at, uh, you know, America's Got Talent or you look at the one, uh, The Voice or mm-hmm. what's the other one that was with Simon Cowell? I forget what it was. American uh, Idol. American oh, Idol, yeah. that's what it was. You get people on there and they, you know, they, they, they think they can sing. Right? right. Yes. And then people go to them and they, they audition and they literally get hammered and they're in everyone on television <laughs> knows that they're bad. Yes. <laughs> and then they, and they, and they're told that they're rejected. And so they go out and of course the cameras focus on these people and they say, what, you know, what, how did it go? And they say, well, of course the judges didn't know anything. They're just clueless. I was right. told by my, my voice instructor that I had a great voice and I, and, you, and the audience just goes, well, you should get a new voice. Instructor <laughs> because they're just milking you for money right now. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, but not, but the rejection can actually help you because if you're clearly not good at something, perhaps you should put your resources and energies in something else. Right. And, and that you can and explore other areas that you may be good at. And this is one of the things that people often don't do. But rejection can be a painful um, lesson in perhaps helping us to figure out what it is we're good at and areas that we might be able to grow in. Right. Uh, You know, a lot of people just don't want to, but people don't want to deal with that. Now, when you're dealing with social situations when it's just friends and people like that, well, sometimes you identify who would be a good friend and who would not be a good friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, And people that may not be perhaps, you know, a good mix. Right. They're not going to, they're not going to, there's an old phrase saying iron sharpens iron. So choose your (laughs) friends closely and carefully. Some people don't sharpen you very well. And maybe it's a good thing to be rejected by them. Right. Cause you end up being like who you surround yourself with. So. Oh yeah. Your, your friends, your circle of friends can be a, a, a wonderful um, buffer to the stressors in life, or they can be an exacerbator of the stressors in your life. Right. Right. It can actually make your life worse. And so it's always prudent that people think carefully about the friends they keep. Mm -hmm. So then um, what could be some potential health benefits of social support, whether that be physical or mental? Well, I think uh, physically, you know, just because you have that social support that's there and they, you know, they can provide a sense of comfort, reduce your stress levels, your anxiety levels, right? And that has a physiological effect as mm-hmm. well as a, as, a, as a mental effect, a positive mental effect. You know, it gives you a sense of calmness, a sense of peace, a, se- a sense of love, of being loved and accepted. Those are all good things. 
And you got to think about social support broadly. It's not just your friends. It's your family. It's your relatives, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, and it's also the in, in physical insideness and autobiographical insideness and social insideness that we talked about right. earlier. And if you think about that, when you have a sense of I belong here and that I'm loved here, what kind of feeling does that give you? Yeah, you feel good. Yeah. You feel good. You feel a sense of peace, a sense, a sense of acceptance. Mm-hmm. A sense of I can weather this because I'm not alone. Right. So then lastly, just real quick, how um, do you think someone could build or expand their social support? Like any tips or ideas? Well, I think one we just, you know, just mentioned earlier was choose your friends wisely. Right. You know, and, and are they helpful to you? And all friends bring out different things in you. That's the wonderful thing about friendship is yeah. that not all your friends are the same. Right. And because one will make you laugh. The other one will make you think the other one will make mm-hmm. you exercise. The other yeah. one, I mean, you think about it, right. Yeah. All the different things that people do. And that's kind of the benefit of having a, a, a different types of friends because they help to bring out different attributes about yourself. So that's a, that's a good thing, but building them and expanding upon them. It's really about conversation. It's about connecting. It's about really being willing to be vulnerable and to step out and meet people. And a lot of times it's going to places to meet people or to try new things. Um, even, even at the beginning, sometimes when, when people are um, trying to make new friends, like students who graduate after college, they go and right. they end up moving someplace. And now all their friends are like in another state. And yeah. they, and they're, well, maybe you have to join a club. I know uh, one person who joined a rock climbing club and she got uh, to know lots of different people. Now all of a sudden she has a whole circle of friends that she goes rock climbing. With. Right. I mean, that's a good thing. It's because you have to step out and mm-hmm. do that. Um, and that can be very helpful. Other things is work on your skills as just socials, you know, social, what we call social graces, being able to talk and to ask questions and to, you know, not, and, and not, not to be like, you know, I call it invasive on people, you know, but to ask, learn how to be a conversationalist. Mm-hmm. And be able to carry on a conversation with people and be able to talk about lots of different things and also be able to listen and hear what others have to say. Right. Uh, that can be a very uh, good skill uh, to develop. And ultimately, it's, it's, it's be willing to accept rejection and realize it's just part of the process. Um, not everyone is going to like you. And, right. and you are not going to like everyone else. Um you know, there are going to be people that you're going to say, oh, please, no. Right. <laughs> yes. And other people you're going to say, no, I really would like to be their friend. They seem like a really cool person. I would like to get to know them better. Yeah. And those are all the things that we can do. There's lots of uh, areas you can go online and look at how to how to make friends or how to do that. I mean, there's just lots of tips up there. But I, you know, I, one of the things I'll just kind of, con- you know, kind of conclude with is that the, the notion that. Your social support system is valuable, and it can really help you deal with the stressors in life. Um, we can't go through life alone. No person is an island, as they say. And so it's good to have individuals that you can count on and rely on that accept you for who you are, and they unconditionally love you as, as just a valuable, a fallible human being like all the rest of us. Right. Okay, so thank you very much for your time again today. Um, And we will see you next time.